Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We are joined by Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We hope you have the Super Talk Mississippi app. You can find good things there. And you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And, of course, you can watch us. We're on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today we're going to learn about rice. It is one of the most nutritious and popular foods in the entire world. And it's also a major industry right here in Mississippi. And joining us today to share their love of rice is Miss Anna Scott. She is your 2022 Mississippi Rice Queen. And Brant Davis, he is our Rice Ambassador for the year. So welcome, guys. Hi. It's so good to have you. Congratulations to you both. But Anna Scott, I'm going to start with you. Give us a little background because I know to even get in the rice pageant, you have to have some connection to the rice industry. So where are your ties? My family farms rice right here in the Delta in Bolivar and Sunflower County. How long have they been doing that? Um, uh, I'd say about 50, 60 years. So they're not new to the business. They're not new to the, it's not a new rodeo for them, should, should you say. So you know nothing but rice farming in terms of your family's uh, business. Yes, ma'am. All right, Brant, what about you? What are your ties to the rice industry in Mississippi? I'm connected on both sides of my family. My great-grandfather, J.T. Davis, started his own rice seed company in Marigold, and my great-grandfather, Joe Aguzzi, is still growing rice and has been for over 60 years. I also work during the summer helping on the farm with planting, maintaining, and even harvesting rice. So I would say growing rice is in my genes. Brand, how many summer days or fall days did you spend out there in the rice fields helping your family out? Yes, ma'am. What'd you do? What were some of your duties on in the on the farm? Uh, well, with rice, out I helped check rice, um, check water, um, and relay that information back to the bosses. There you go. The bosses being Miss Anna Scott, because she's our queen. She's our rice queen for this year. So in terms of economic impact, Anna Scott, how much does the rice farmers do for our state? So in 2021, rice brought in $91 million to Mississippi's state economy. And each year, rice farmers themselves contribute about a million dollars to the local economy. So that's not that's not small business. That's big business that the rice industry is doing for our state. You know, you often think about that you have these big corporate farms, but really most of our farm families here in Mississippi are still family-owned and operated and usually moderate size. So do you all know what maybe the average size of the rice farmer is here in Mississippi? I wouldn't say there's an average uh, size for a rice farm in Mississippi because it varies. Um 
it varies on a lot of factors. Like the well, if your land is rented, leased, if it's owned, um, how many years your farm has been active, and the funds that it has. There's a lot that goes into it. It's really it's really tough to put an average number on the size. So, Brent, I know you grew up maybe working on the uh, rice farm, and Anna Scott, you may have too. Don't want to leave the ladies out. They can do a little farm work as well. But what's sort of the growing season? When you know, when do you plant? When are you harvesting? And maybe where are we at right now in terms of the rice crop? Well, the rice growing season is full of excitement from the day farmers start putting seed into the ground in late March or early April to harvest in September through October. And throughout the growing season, farmers are having to fertilize, spray, and water their rice. And managing rice is an everyday event throughout the growing season. And right now, we are nearing the end of harvest for our rice farmers, with some that have already finished, and the later planted rice, which is being fully harvested, and will be done by the end of October. So do the farmers get a little bit of a break? Do the farms kind of like, you know, high-five, hug, and say great season and sort of take a siesta before gearing back up, or is there always something going on on the farm? Well, of course, there's always some downtime, but, you know, throughout, farmers have to get together and make a plan on how they're going to take on next year. Well, hopefully it's a good year, and I know it's it's harvest time right now, which is always a fun time, or at least the exciting time. You get to see the fruits of your labor, or the rice of your labor, should I say it that way. Um, Anna, Anna Scott, tell us a few fun facts. Like if, if many of us listening to Good Things didn't grow up on a rice farm, but we know that rice is associated with the Mississippi Delta, but give us some other good facts that we might not know. So there are more than 120 thousand varieties of rice being grown. Another really fun fact is that Mississippi ranks sixth in rice production. And one more for you, the average American consumes 27 pounds of rice a year. That's pretty good. That leads into my next question, Brant, would be, what's your favorite way to eat rice that's grown there in the Mississippi Delta? I would say my favorite dish is Delta rice. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Okay, what do you like with you just like butter and salt? That's how you like your rice? My grandmother's been cooking it forever and it's just grown on to me. So you don't even like a little gravy on it. You just want good old Delta rice. I just love good old Delta rice. Well, I appreciate that. And Scott, you get you add anything to your rice? I like chicken and rice. Chicken and rice is good. I've never, I've never said no to gravy if there's rice around. So, or I've never said no to gravy when rice is around. Should I say, should I say it uh, that way? Do y'all have like a favorite family dish? I know you mentioned your grandmother's been cooking forever. Uh, Brant, does she cook it in the same sort of, you know, cast iron pot? Is there some tradition with the rice dishes that you guys just grew up with? Um. Well, my grandmother has been cooking rice since as long as I can remember. I'm pretty sure we have it every single Sunday at our family lunches, so it's definitely a staple in our family. 
Well, it's a staple in a lot of people's family, which is why Mississippi is number six, as you mentioned, in the industry. They're growing something that people want and they enjoy, and there's it's got you know such versatility into the way that you can cook it and sort of use it. I know right now my mind's going to red beans and rice. I just text my mom the other day and was like, Mom, it's it's getting cold outside, colder. I'm going to need a good batch of red beans and rice. But you two decided to enter, or I guess go up for, obviously, Rice Queen and Rice Ambassador. So what encouraged you guys to be a good voice for the rice industry here in Mississippi? As I said, my family has been involved in the farming industry for as long as I can remember, and it is a huge part of how I grew up watching my grandfather and father and great-grandfather out on the farm. And so I really wanted to continue to give back to the community that helped raise me. And for you, Brent, what encouraged you to get out there and be a rice ambassador? Same here. My family's been farming rice for a long, long time in Mississippi. And with myself being able to work on hand with my family in the rice fields, I felt that you know, this is the first year that Delta Rice Promotions has, you know, come up with this rice ambassador for the boys. And I thought that this would be a great position for me to not only give back to promote rice, but to do it with a position. Well, I love it, and I think you guys both have a passion for it, and you're doing good for the industry, obviously, and reminding us that the Mississippi Delta is hard at work whenever we go to enjoy our rice and gravy or our red beans and rice or our stir fry or just the way you like it, Brant, with a little bit of butter and next to whatever else is <laughs> is on our is on our plate. So if we want more information about the rice industry here in Mississippi, where do we go? There are multiple websites you can go to. Delta Rice Promotions has a website that has very valuable information. Um, Mississippi State Extension Office has a website with good information. Another uh, website you can use is the U.S. Rice Federation, or you can look up usarice.com, and they have a lot of great information for you about rice. Will y'all be out and about this year at different events if people want to get out and meet you guys? Yes, ma'am, we will. All righty. Well, I hope our our paths cross. If not, I hope you have a great year and eat lots of rice. Yeah. You too. There you go. Who knew? Sixth, Mississippi sixth in the industry when it comes to rice. I think that's pretty cool. And that means because this time last year was when I got schooled by the 2021 Rice Queen that the best way to cook rice is you don't what, Rhino? Stir it. I've known that for a year now. I even tested it out. It works. You just it's like magic. put it in there. You don't touch it. And then it's rice magic. We got more good for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi.
Good things were on your computer or your mobile device. You can watch on Roku, even Amazon Fire TV devices. And you can watch good things too. We're live on Seaspire TV, which if you have that, we're on channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel, which just says beautiful here in Mississippi, which I think you're going to have great weather if you're gearing up to head down to Cruising the Coast, which is America's largest block party. Cruising the Coast is back. It's starting Sunday through the 9th, where there'll be a ton of nonstop fun, entertainment all along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It's rated the number one car show in the country by USA Today. That's pretty impressive. And Middays with Jar Gibbert will be there live with our friends from the Coastal Mississippi Tourism next Wednesday, this coming up Wednesday, at the Bluxy Town Green. And so that is America's largest block party. For more information, you can visit Coastal Mississippi dot com it's going to be a beautiful week and a lot of fun i love finding my friends on facebook who are gearing up with their cars and they're heading down some taking two and i'm like how does that work they'll actually take a trailer with one on it and then take another one that they're going to show i'm like who's going to drive all these apparently you rotate them out throughout (laughs) throughout the week so boys and their toys and all the fun things and so if you're down there i think it's going to be it's going to be a good time. Talking about rice, though, if you missed it, you can catch it back on YouTube later on Super Talk's YouTube channel. But I was thinking, you know, our relationship here, Rhino, over the years, you're the rice king. I'm the Kinda. rice pulper. Finally figured out how to make rice after I gifted you my rice cooker because I never used it because it was one of those things I just stink at making because I was doing it wrong. I was stirring the rice. You don't do that. If you don't stir the rice, it turns out perfect almost every every time. But well, don't take this the wrong way because I mean it and with all love. But the reason I got so good with your rice cooker that you gave to me. Because you're not me? No, it's because <laughs> the only thing it didn't come with oh God. is the little measuring cup. That's Every rice cooker has a measuring cup that comes with it that, water. that matches that rice cooker. So I had to learn how to eyeball it. So what my fault? It was defected. I had to just learn on the fly. I got lucky, though, that I was able to dial it in after only three cookings of rice. Because if it had gone like seven or eight and I was still getting it wrong, I'd probably been like you. It doesn't work. Rice is one of those things, if you don't do it right, if you don't follow instructions or get the right ratio to rice to water, even if it's the... You know, minute rice or whatever. If you're adding water, water has to be added or soaked overnight or whatever, however you want to do it. It's not going to turn out right. And I I really believe those that can cook fluffy, soft rice well, that's magic. To me, it's just magic. I can cook like quinoa or some other grains much easier. It comes out fluffier. I don't know why then. I mean, I've gotten better with rice over the years, or I guess in the last year. Let's be honest. Learned this last year, right here on Good Things. But because I didn't feel like I was conf- I didn't wasn't confident in my rice cooking abilities, I don't make it as much as I probably would. Or I lean to the ninety second microwavable kind that usually comes out pretty perfect every time. But like French fries, it's hard to get leftover rice 
to taste as good as freshly cooked rice. Yeah, the the only trick I've found with that is, especially if you have takeout rice, like in the little to-go container, mm-hmm. the little fold open, which that's one hack some people don't even realize, is those little car- cardboard Chinese takeout, mm-hmm. those open up into a plate. You Didn't just take the little handles off and start unfolding it, and you have a plate. So, yeah, open it up a little bit and spread it out to where it's kind of in a cone. Mm-hmm. And you get a little reservoir in the middle and fill that with just the tiniest bit of water before you nuke it. And that, it's still not going to be as good as fresh-made rice, but it'll be a lot better than just sticking in the microwave and going for it. Microwave hack that I actually have known for a really long time and always forget until after I've microwaved it and said I should have done that, like with pizza or we actually had a leftover um, McDonald's sausage and biscuit from the swimming this past week. Anyway, when you have something like that that might dry out, if you take a paper towel and you wet it and you put it, not like sopping wet, but moist it, and you put it in there like by the plate, not on the food. You don't cover the food with it. But I put it. And you could wrap it in it. I guess you could. Well, I didn't. That feels weird. Because if it went wrong, now I've really screwed it up. I just laid, <laughs> I folded it neatly and laid it on the plate next to it. And he did it the same way. And I guess it's the moisture in the air that keeps it from not having that dry sort of tough taste. Uh, and I don't know if it works for everything, but I've been told for like pizzas, biscuits, that kind of stuff. It works uh, well for. But since you are our rice king here on Good Things, I figured you might have a little more variety in how you cook your rice than just with butter. Although there's nothing wrong with just a side of rice and a little gravy, but you get a little bit more experimental with that. Yeah, and it's because it's a blank slate that can be a little fun if you're going with certain cuisines because it can be, it becomes almost like an exercise in patience. Because with with southern food, generally it's it's more well loved. The easier it is to shovel in your mouth, the more you can get in, the quicker, the better. It's the the higher it's considered on the scale of just good food. Rice, especially Asian style, where it's that sticky rice, it's like they're they're trying to handicap themselves because they're using chopsticks. Although they're much better with chopsticks than any of us would be because they have the practice. But you see people in in China and Japan and different parts of the world that eat rice on a, on a regular basis, and they've got chopsticks and they got a bowl, and they're shoveling it in faster than we would eat even the best southern food. So you you get the sticky rice. And if you're going with that, you want the rice to be as plain as possible because that really is your blank slate. That's when you put the really flavorful meats where it's like the peppered steak with green onions or the sesame chicken or General Tso's. That's meant to go on just the plainest of plain white rice. So that's the the Asian style of rice. Then you have the more cajun creole southern style of rice where you're cooking with the red beans and rice or the black beans and or the rice, jambalaya where you want jambalaya. the rice to have a little bit of flavor and that's where you switch from cooking it in just water or steaming it to where you drop a bouillon cube over in there or you cook it in chicken stock or like like the rice queen talked about chicken and rice my mom's secret to chicken and rice was the parboiled rice you get in the bag Pour that in a casserole dish. Take the chicken, sit it on top of the rice. Cans of cream of chicken soup, pour it over it, throw it in the oven. Salt and pepper it to taste, and it's delicious. It's so easy, yeah. 
kids love that. The cool part, too, about rice, which I think makes it the perfect southern side dish, is the fact that even if you do just the parboiled or the white rice and you just salt and pepper it with a little bit of butter, it's sitting on your plate. And we all know that a good blue plate, whatever that looks like, or Sunday special, all the juices, which is all the flavors, find its way like kind of under and into the Even if it doesn't have the gravy on it, it's going to take on all the other sort of flavors. And it's like a little sponge. And so that's – and you look forward to that because usually you save, like, the rice for a couple of last bites because it, with a little bit of the cornbread or whatever you're using to sop it up, it's just – yes. I just love it. I still maintain – and this is something I didn't learn until after I got the rice cooker and went down the rabbit hole of learning how to – quote unquote properly do it everything i've learned since then is to wash the rice unless it's parboiled so yeah you you get the rice you just as much cold water as you want to put over it and just twirl it around with your hands or or you can really get in there and squeeze it and kind of grind it a little bit because it's hard rice you're not going to mess it up but you're you're washing off some of that starch and it's that starch that makes it sticky so you don't want to wash it all off, but it's also that starch that makes it bubble up through the little vent if you've got too much in the rice cooker or if you didn't wash it. That's why it's bubbling up through the vent, because it's that excess starch creating bubbles on top of the water as it's boiling. Well, there you go. So the secret to washing it is you swirl it around and squeeze it and all that. Strain it, which can be a little bit of a hassle. You don't ever want to let the rice go down the sink, because then it starts swelling and you have a clogged sink. But you want to strain it until the water's clear. Chris, wash and rinse till it's clear. Kind of backs you up on that. The key to great rice is you can't cook it too in too much water. A lot of water is, a lot of water is the key, or not not too much water. To eat leftover rice, boil salted water, and put leftover rice in water and heat it back up, then drain it. That's a lot of effort, but hey, if you got a lot of rice leftover, then you're going to want to figure out something to do with it. I think what he's saying is if you if you've cooked rice and you've cooked it the length of time you were supposed to cook the rice, per the instructions, and you then have to strain the rice, start over. You should never have water left over when you're when you're cooking rice. Just keep cooking it. It's almost better to have that little crust of burnt rice on the bottom than to have more water left well, over. Well, then I am doing better than I ever thought. Yes. Burning rice is for the win. <laughs> All right, stick with us. We are shifting gears. We're talking about the spooky season being here in Mississippi. Coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Watch 
watch good things on your computer or your mobile device, just head on over to supertalktv.com. It's officially spooky season here in Mississippi, and I know statewide, from the top to the bottom, there's a lot of haunted forests and hayrides and all the things to get out and do. But joining us today is Curtis. He is the owner of Psychopath there in Ellisville, and it is an extreme haunted attraction that has both indoor and outdoor sections. So welcome, Curtis. Hi. I am so excited to have you. I know you're excited. It's this finally this time of year. Do you? How long have you been gearing up for you know the the start of spooky season? Well, this year a little bit longer than normal because it's season thirteen. So that goes without saying. I wanted season thirteen to be a little something extra, a little something special. So I've been working on this season since late January. Okay, let's go back 13 years ago, Curtis. Where were you when you decided that Ellisville, Mississippi, needs a psychopath? (laughs) Um, I was actually uh, just starting my photography and videography business. Um, uh, And, look, I've been in the business, I guess, for more than 20 years. 19 years ago, I started uh, running Camp Fear with... uh, uh, somebody that was working at the Ellisville State School, and we started running that as a more of a charitable haunted house. And being for the state, we could only open the 28th through the 31st, and there were limitations on how scary you could be, of course. It was more for fun. And uh, then I ran one one year in Augusta for, uh, called Krill Creek and just decided it was time to open the one that I had, you know, always in the back of my head of what I would do, you know, how I would try my best to change the industry because I was never really satisfied with the haunted houses I would go to. Short tours, long lines, overpriced tickets, and uh, most of them didn't have shirts, didn't play score music, and very limited on what the actors were allowed to do, and I just wanted to break every rule I possibly could. So someone comes to Psychopath, when's y'all's opening weekend? Well, we've been open weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all of September. And we always start the season off with what's called Free Friday. It was a free open night. Rather than just tell people how good it is, I do that so that people can come out and see for themselves with little to risk, you know, no financial risk at all, so uh, free tickets. But now that October has kicked off, um, as of the 30th, a couple nights ago, we started our 38 nights in a row. Uh, stretch. So we're open seven nights a week right now, all the way through November 6th. Okay, and now let's talk about all the rules that you broke. You promised me twice <laughs> already, Curtis, that nobody's ever died going through your psychopath. So we're going to go ahead and right. just lay that out there because <laughs> I don't know. So what rules have you broken, or at least how is it different? How is psychopath different than any other, I guess, haunted attraction that we may go to in the Magnolia State? Both preparation and performance. The preparation part, it's closer related to a play, like at a a little theater. Like as far as tryouts, rehearsals, the time uh, spent developing characters or doing our best job at mocking up characters that are iconic from horror movies. And then on the performance level, just, you know, we... When you go in, you first you have to watch a, approximately a four-and-a-half-minute video, and that video uh, is of someone in character, so it still fits in with the theme and the feel of being in the, in the attraction, but it's giving a very honest, you know, warning or, you know, a heads-up that uh, we do make contact. You know, we may touch or grab. We even take people. 
um, and put them in a different set, you know, where they will either later encounter their group or let them feel like they broke away and got away and caught up with their group. Um, they do get bloody. Uh, <laughs> it's fake, of course. Um, although we have fun telling some of the people the last couple nights that it was uh, pig's blood, but it's fake. And um, but you have to agree, you know, that you you know you're going in the woods late at night, so there's a certain amount of of risk that has nothing to do with what we're doing anyway, you know, because when you're walking through the woods where there are stumps, there's inclines, declines, branches, low-hanging branches, there's a little bit of a risk there as far as, you know, walking into a branch or something, but you got to stay close to your tour guide. And we explain all that in a video. Once you watch the video, if you like what you've seen, you're okay with it, you're willing to go in and get scared to death, then you sign the waiver just saying that you agree with the video, and then your tour begins. And one of the rules we've broken is the national average of length of tour, believe it or not, is somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes. And I always thought that was really short for people who wait in line for hours and pay an average of $20 a ticket. you got to give them something. And that's why, that's why we like the characters to make contact. It breaks the fourth wall, gets them involved, uh, makes the customers part of the act. And I think they really have, have, have come to love that. And uh, uh, our customer base is pretty well groomed now to, to accept that, and they come for that now. And then the longer tours, um, we double or triple the length of the national average of tours because we're anywhere from – if people are running, it shortens the tour down to around 25 <laughs> minutes. But if they, if they take their time, they follow their tour guide, don't pass the tour guide and let the whole thing develop as it climaxes towards the end like a horror movie does until you get to that climactic ending um, we like the tour to feel the same way as, as a horror movie, and yet you're living it rather than watch it. And uh, uh, the tour's designed to last as long as 40 minutes, but you can't keep some groups uh, slow. How big are the groups, Curtis, that go through Psychopath there in Ellisville? Now, on the slower nights towards the beginning of the season, we were starting with 10 to 15 people. And we like to start with that every night, but we adjust on the fly really well to when we get the line. You're talking about a line that would normally last four to six hours. We can cut that wait time in, in half just by uh, taking bigger groups. And so we'll take as many as 20, 25. Last night we even took, or not last night, but the night before we even took a group of 33. Um, so we everything's set up to be able to adjust quickly, whether it's size of group or intensity. Because if somebody brings in, you know, one of their children that they're so small they even hold them because they're like three years old, we adjust on the fly. So that way they're, they can have a good time without, you know, having forever nightmares. Well, Curtis, I'm bringing all the babies then. I'm bringing, <laughs> I'm bringing all the babies. But someone did ask, maybe what is your average? Like, what would you say Would you would recommend bringing? I know you mentioned the younger children, but who would this be? Like preteens, teens, older? Where Where's like a good line for a good time? This is really, really hard to to describe, So, I'll, but I'll do it as quickly as I can. Um, and I hope that everybody... Uh, understands what I'm saying when I say that the sets that are designed a little bit more complex with a little bit more, well, I should say, complexity with imagination than your typical. It's not a jump scare haunt where everything just jumps out of the dark and scares you to death. You know, it's we can all do that. We grew up doing that to our brothers, our sisters, our friends. So if you're paying that money, you're waiting in line, 
you want to see something that you may feel you can't do. So each set's kind of a skit, and it touches, for different reasons, it touches on the nerves of all ages. So while it may work and scare somebody really good or at least impress them if they're 45, you know, the five-year-old won't get it, so they're not as scared. You know, the only thing they're scared of is the fact that, I mean, you can hear the score music, and the score music is very reminiscent of uh, iconic horror movies, but I edit all of that all year, basically, myself. And uh, so we really try our hardest, um, putting no cost, you know, letting no cost kind of, you know, redirect us away from our goal, which is entertaining all ages. It's got to be able to. And we monitor the line uh, ourselves. Uh, Where we stand at right before each tour begins, we can tell who's coming in, so we're able to make adjustments. But I would say that, I don't know, the the people that seem like they get entertained the most, I really hate to sound like I'm trying to cover everybody, but like uh, after a certain age, they're just, they're complimenting us and saying, you know, that was really good or unique, and you guys did a good job. And then the youngers, uh, younger, like the teens, they're scared. They're outside, you know, still running from the characters because some of the characters will follow you all the way back out to the front. Um, and of course, young enough, they're scared of everything. Um, but uh, so it's. How I many do you expect to come through, Curtis, this season and your next, your 38 day stretch? This season, wow. Um, mm, we've been averaging. Uh, like eight to 10,000 by the time the end of the season's hit. But now I've started the last two years to see nights where we will, we'll see, you know, four times as many as we used to when a big night used to be 200, you know, a big night now might be between six and 800. And we're with being open every night, that's going to jump. It could be in the average of six, closer to the average of six, but it, it might get as high as around 8,000 this year. Well, Curtis, how do we find out more about psychopath there in Ellisville? The best ways, and I feel like they're also the more entertaining ways. I mean, of course, there's the old-fashioned calling or texting me um, uh, because that the business number six zero one three one six five three eight four. But the more entertaining ways to kind of view, so you get a, a feel for what to expect style-wise. The YouTube channel, which is Psychopath, two words, not the word psychopath, all caps, and maybe follow it with N Ellisville, and it'll take you to the right YouTube channel, and the same with Facebook. All righty. Well, I appreciate your time, Curtis. Congratulations on year 13. Go scare the bejesus out of everybody. You promised me no one died, so I appreciate that, and thank you for your time. Thank you very much, and I appreciate the opportunity. I probably won't go. But I hope someone does and lets me know all about it. Stick with us. we got more coming up next. Upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. I'm a morning time, and we're going strong, heading up down the river. You can listen to Good Things. We're streaming live over at supertalk.fm and, too, on the Supertalk Mississippi app and, of course, your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. We have a lot of fun, too, over on the Good Things Facebook group. We would love for you to join us there. If you're on the Book of Faces, then you can just search Good Things with. Rebecca Turner pops up, and boom, we will let you in. 
or you can say hi on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 where i i Dan, I'm not getting into a marital dispute with you and your wife over your rice. If you missed it earlier, we were talking to this year's rice queen. We got into cooking rice and some of the tricks of the trade because Rhino is our rice king here on Good Things. But you said, thanks. I can see a strong disagreement in our near future with my wife. Don't stir the rice. That should go over well. She's always done that. We're Baptists. We don't change. Well, I will say if she can just withstand it. And I even did like a little video when I first tried it just to show Rhino that I didn't stir the rice. And it took everything in me not to open up the lid and just give her a little twirl because you feel like you should and everything else if you're cooking green beans if you're cooking you know uh kernel corn if you're cooking peas if you're cooking pasta if you're browning something you just always don't want it to stick you give it a whirl and so i don't know what the magic is about not stirring the rice but everybody who knows anything about cooking rice will tell you oh you put it in you may give it one good go but before it starts bubbling If you really need to, if you need to exercise your elbow and then you just set it and sort of forget it until the end and then you turn it off right and you fluff it. That's why I always bring up the washing rice because that's where you get that nervous energy out. I don't know why you stir the rice while you're washing it to get all the starchy. I appreciate it, too. Someone said you gave them a little more advice, but you said, thanks, my rice sucks. And I feel like this there are some rice bad cookers we we unite like we unite should i say there's more of us than you think so don't feel alone if you can't cook rice and it took me a long time too to cook corn right because i like um corn on the cob like boil it if you don't do it right it gets too tough and all the things and so we're, we're gonna figure this out one southern meal component at a time i would say some pointers if you're not impressed with your rice pointer number one Rice is about as cheap as you can get when it comes to food. And if you're going to be eating it, you need to enjoy it. So mess it up till you get it right. Rice is cheap. Pointer two, if you just can't quite figure it out on the stovetop, which sub-pointers for stovetop, tight-fitting lid, try to get the amount of water right, worry about the time, try not to strain it. But if you just can't get it right on the stovetop, use a rice cooker, use a little measuring cup, wash it beforehand and you won't have any problems because the rice cooker is programmed to do it perfectly it's its job and it does it well i just appreciate all of you who think that all of us who suck at rice cooking it's just as easy as wash the rice leave it covered and alone a low temp till it's done as they just just do that and then it's fine right it's like great glad that works for you i'm over here struggling well, in fairness, it does depend on how thick your your pot is, uh, the heat distribution, how much salt you put in the water. Did you salt the water? I mean, there's there's a ton of variables. But I think a part of the whole not stirring it while it's cooking is you, you feel like you cheated a little bit. Because if it actually turns out good, it's like, well, I didn't have a hand in that. I just poured it in there, and it was good. Aren't just, you- just accept the simple blessings of life. <laughs> Or just by the 90-second ones you put in the microwave, and then you it pretty much comes out perfectly every time. Or Derek and Greenwood on the ceasefire text line, bowling bag. It's really tough to mess up bowling bag. You know, I've never tried that. I don't know why. I just have never... That used to be my go-to before you gave me the rice cooker. You know, my mom used to buy the bowl in the bag yellow rice. Oh, yeah. 
and it came with like the little seasoning or whatever. And I remember that being really good. I don't know why I never tried that. I think because I just got burnt so many, literally, figuratively burnt the rice and got burnt so many times trying to cook it. It's ugh. Because if you make a whole meal that's surrounded like with ri- for rice, like stir fry, um, red beans and rice, rice and gravy, and then the rice sucks, like every the whole thing sucks now. Because usually it's like the base yeah. in which you're going to be serving up your... If the rice is bland in those dishes, then the whole dish is bland. I'm going to send you this kimchi and pineapple fried rice recipe with an egg on top. I need you to make it so you can tell me how delicious it really is because it, it looks really yummy. We might have to wait for the temps to drop a little lower before I get into the kimchi because it's a lot like chili. If you don't have it on a cool day, you're just going to be sweating. I just never thought about pineapple and rice. You can put pretty much anything on a nice, plain rice, especially if it's full of flavor, like pineapple. Alrighty. It was a day full of flavor. If you missed it, you can catch it all back on YouTube or in podcast form later. But coming up next, you've got Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Good things for you Good things for you A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.